This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 254. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, I recently joined a Facebook group called the Fraternal Order of Bartenders. There's bartenders from all works of life on this page, from people working in small towns, serving nothing but shots and beers, to friends of mine that work in some of the fanciest cocktail bars in Manhattan. This uh, The question came up on that page, martini, shake or stir? Here's my take on that. James Bond ordered his martinis shake and not stir because that's the exception to the rule. If he just ordered a martini, it would have been stirred because that's the classic recipe. Apparently he did this, uh, I, I actually didn't read the books myself, but from what I hear, he did this because the uh, shaken martini will be diluted a little more and he wanted to keep his wits about him, you know, and uh, defeat his en- enemies, you know. So, uh, But there's nothing wrong with shaking it if that's how the guests request it. But uh, as someone pointed out on that Facebook thread, you'll never see a decent cocktail book that'll tell you to shake a martini. I have uh, one guy who likes a Shake, he likes his martini shaken with a bunch of tiny ice shards in it. That's how he likes it, so that's how I make it. The general the general rule is if it has only spirits, you stir it. This, uh, If it has any type of juice in it, it's shaken. When stirring a drink, you're, you're trying to chill it, but also add water to it or dilute it, as we say. Try taking some gin and vermouth and put it in a bottle uh, in the freezer. Don't stir it or shake it with ice, uh, but take it out and taste it. That's not a martini. It'll be too strong and it won't taste very good. When stirring a drink with ice, we're looking for a silky texture, which is uh, desirable in a Manhattan or a martini-style drink. The uh, When shaking a drink, like a margarita, say, you're looking to make a bright drink with some air bubbles introduced. In fact, here's a secret. After shaking my margarita, I add just a little club soda to the shaker before straining. Uh, I think it makes it nice and bright and uh, and light and refreshing and delicious. So when stirring a drink, how long do you stir? I was at, uh, at some event sometime, and in the swag bag, there was a bar spoon with a thermometer on top, which was really cool. It was in Celsius, so I was looking to get the drink to about zero degrees or a little colder. What I discovered was I wasn't stirring long enough. I think you'll find uh, to get it down to zero degrees, depending on the ice and the size of the ice and uh, you know other factors, you're going to have to stir it for about 30 seconds. You noticed I said zero degrees or 32 degrees Fahrenheit uh, or a little colder. Interestingly enough, through some science that I will probably never understand, you can actually make the drink a little colder than the ice. Dave Arnold, the utmost authority on the science of drink making, talks about this in his great book, Liquid Intelligence. Tristan Stevenson also mentions it in his book, The Curious Bartender. He and I talked about it when I interviewed him back in show number 122. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, it's physics. It's the fact that the cocktail... Uh, I, you know, ice when it's melting is always going to be zero degrees Celsius. It's, right. That's a fact. It's phase changing from unless it's under like a vacuum or high pressure or something weird like that. But right. in, no, in normal circumstances, it's always going to be zero. But a cocktail can go below zero because it, its freezing point, because of the alcohol in it, is, is usually much lower. A martini won't freeze till it gets to I don't know minus ten. Depends on. Um, exactly how much booze is in it you know as as I said in the book and I'm still preaching about this now because it, and it is fascinating it really gets people talking um, you know most of the chilling power of ice isn't from the fact that it's cold it's from the fact that it's melting hmm. and it's such a great statement and because immediately people are like what it's cold it's melting I don't understand <laughs> uh, and yeah it, kind of, it comes down to the physics that I detail in the book I mean it takes a lot more energy to change something from a solid to a liquid than it does just to move it up a degree or two um, Fahrenheit or Celsius. Hmm. And, and it's that energy 
um, that's that, that's being taken. Uh, the ice is taken from your drink that makes it so much colder um, through that melting process. And so you ultimately go around and around circles and you realize, well, I can't make this drink cold unless I have some dilution because I need the ice to melt in order to make it cold. Mm. Um, and the proof, which we've seen time and time again, is these whiskey stones that you get, you know, the granite ones or whatever, and you put them in your freezer, and you pop them in your whiskey, and like five minutes later, you're like, this whiskey isn't really very cold. Yeah. And, and it's because the stones aren't melting. They're just cold. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I had this argument with a chef actually the other day, quite a famous chef in the UK. I was, we were talking about it and... Uh, he, uh, you know, I came out with this sort of thing. It's like, actually, you know, the, the ice is, is chilling it because it's melting. And he said, well, what if I'm rolling around the snow? You're telling me I'm cold because, because the snow's melting, not because the snow's cold. And I was like, well, yeah, the snow's cold, but actually that snow is melting onto your face and your hands, and that's what's really making you cold. Tristian's book, The Curious Bartender, is awesome and uh, highly recommend you get that one. We'll have a link up that. We'll have a link to that on bartenderjourney.net. But we've done that before as Book of the Week. So this week, our Book of the Week is Dave Arnold's Liquid Intelligence. This book is highly recommended. It's a great resource. You'll learn a lot from it. Dave is famous for using crazy scientific equipment like rotovaps and centrifuges. I went a long time without reading this book because I thought, I'll never have a centrifuge. But he took what he learned using this equipment and he uses it to teach interesting techniques and, uh, all kinds of scientific stuff you might not have thought thought of otherwise. It's not. I mean, it's not like a science manual. It's uh, not not that hard to read, but it's uh, really interesting. Great, great points he brings up in that book, and uh, you'll learn a lot from it. In the book, one of the things he talks about is the effects of stirring and shaking. Interestingly enough, when stirring or shaking a drink, eventually equilibrium is reached, and it won't cool anymore or dilute anymore. Uh, it will, of course, eventually start to warm up, and the ice will start to melt, adding more dilution. But it can only get so cold, and then at that point, it's uh, in equilibrium, and you won't be adding any more dilution or making it any colder. This is helpful to know for a couple of reasons, one of which is to keep in mind when you're building a large round of drinks. For instance, if a martini is in the order, you might want to add the ingredients to your mixing cup, add the ice, uh, but stir it later. Or you can stir it and let it sit there with the ice in the cup while making the rest of the round and then strain at the last moment. According to Dave Arnold's experiments, there won't be much difference uh, in any of those three methods if you if you uh, put the ice in there before and uh, stir it. And uh, or if you put the ice in first and let it sit there first for a minute before stirring, or if you do it, you know, the traditional way, stir and then serve immediately, or you know, third method, uh, stir, let it sit with the ice and strain at the last minute. According to Dave Arnold, uh, those drinks will all be pretty much identical. Does the size of the ice make any difference when shaking or stirring? It seems like the answer is not really, although uh, that could be an entire podcast to to itself. There are some subtleties there, it seems. Uh, But as a general rule, it seems that once the proper temperature is reached, the dilution will be correct, no matter what the size of the ice, although the one exception would be crushed ice or shaved ice. Couple more interesting points. When stirring a drink, ice that is not touching the liquid is doing nothing. That's uh, that's interesting. So no need to uh, pile that up too high in the in your mixing cup. So check out Dave Arnold's book, Liquid Intelligence: The Art and Science of the Perfect Cocktail. We'll have a link on bartenderjourney.net. So let's make the martini our cocktail of the week. What's the best way to make it? 
Well, the uh, best way is the way the guest wants it. Ask a lot of questions when somebody orders one of these. I'm bad. Sometimes I'll go into an unfamiliar bar and just order a gin martini with no further instructions. I'm always curious to see what the bartender will do. In my humble opinion, the next step should be for the bartender to start asking questions. Though a martini is classically made with gin, these days it's crucial to ask the guest, gin or vodka, or the way I've been doing it lately, just say any particular brand. The guests will usually specify at that point, but if they don't have a preference, I would definitely say gin or vodka at that point. Next, how much vermouth? It's really best to ask if they don't specify, or maybe say dry, extra dry. The guests may very well say no vermouth, which is too bad, but uh, the moral of today's podcast is the best cocktail for your guest is the one made the way they like it. The history of the martini is difficult to trace. David Wandridge, the ultimate cocktail historian, will tell you so. In fact, he does just that in his great book, Imbibe. In the late 1800s, it was usually made with Old Tom gin, which is sweetened. Sometimes gum syrup was added. The dry martini seems to have appeared around the turn of the century, but uh, it wasn't dry in the sense we think of it today. In fact, one recipe published around that time period had a one-to-one ratio of gin to dry or French vermouth. The gin was a London dry gin rather than the uh, Old Tom sweetened gin or a Plymouth gin, which is also not sweet. Back in the day, orange bitters were always added, which is a really interesting addition to a martini. Give it a try. I wouldn't force it on an unsuspecting guest, but try it yourself, see what you think, and maybe suggest it to an adventurous consumer. Anyway, back to the amount of vermouth. I think the average customer expects very little vermouth in their martini, although it's becoming popular in cocktail bars to have a one-to-one martini on the menu. It's a wonderful drink this way with the orange bitters and a lemon twist, but uh, of course you need to have a good quality vermouth that's been taken care of properly and is not too old. Uh, Please store your vermouth in the the cooler, uh, at least after your shift. Uh, I try to keep it in there during most of the shift. Right the day you open the bottle on the back label, and uh, ideally you don't want to keep it more than a month after opening after two months probably throw it out i use vacuvin wine stoppers in my vermouth bottles this is a very inexpensive item about 12 dollars, and it pumps the air out of open wine bottles to help preserve it they're perfect for vermouth and other fortified wines too Next thing to talk about is the glass. Those giant birdbath or steakhouse martini glasses are ridiculous. <laughs> believe me, believe me, I know. I bartended at a private club and we use them. The members expect nothing less. Those stupid things hold eight ounces if you fill it to the very top, which, uh, and people seem to expect that too, that it's filled to the very, very top. Eight ounces. That's not one drink. That's four drinks. Come on. Here's my trick. We have little five-ounce glass carafes, so I'll chill the carafe and the glass, and I make the martini, and I pour it into the carafe, and that's great for uh, going out on the floor so the server doesn't have to worry about spilling it, and I don't have to worry about remaking it. Uh, but uh, even even at the bar, I'll pour a little bit into the glass and leave the rest in the carafe and say with a wink something like, it's easier to drink that way. The guests will thank you, drink some, and refill. It, it looks nice. It's good service, and I don't have to give somebody an eight-ounce martini. Next, I want to find some sort of nice-looking bowl or something to fill with ice to put the carafe in. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have crushed ice at the club. That would be perfect. Crushed ice in a little bowl, and then you put the carafe in there. That would be awesome. But uh, I'll work on that eventually. 
So what kind of glass is good? You often hear me talk about the chilled coupe glass, which is ideal for a martini. Uh, for anybody who might not be familiar, it's like the old-fashioned champagne glass that's like a saucer or, or a bowl with a stem. Uh, ideally, we want the chill the glass chilled in the freezer and then uh, remove it into, at the last minute. But if you don't have a cooler to keep glasses in, of course, you can fill, fill it with uh, or you can chill it with ice and water. Before you start making the drink, pack the glass with as much ice as you can fit in there and then top it off with water. For garnish, olives are traditional. Uh, If the guest doesn't specify, it's olives. One big one or three small ones on a cocktail pick. Always an odd number, and even numbers bad luck. I I don't know why that is, but uh, it is. I asked David Wondrich about this one time, and he said, Well, it's ridiculous, but it's tradition. You don't need reasons for traditions. You just, you know, you sign on either I perpetuate it or I don't. You right. Know? And uh, if you're going to perpetuate it, you know, do it. Okay, yeah. I am. I'm perpetuating that one. I Good. like, I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I do. I do choose to perpetuate it. So uh, that's what I'm doing by passing it on to you. Blue cheese stuffed olives? No, thank you. Not for me. Uh, a lemon twist is my favorite. The best twists are made with a Y peeler. Then you hold the lemon twist over the drink using both hands, put it between your thumb and index fingers, and start to sort of fold it in half lengthwise. This expresses the oils from the drink into the glass. Oh, it's delicious. Uh, I Personally, I even like that in my Manhattan. So the martini seems like a simple drink on the surface, but uh, there's some lots to consider there, really. So remember, our book of the week is Dave Arnold's Liquid Intelligence. If you really want to get into the what's and why's of cocktail making, you should get this book. We'll have a link up on bartenderjourney.net. Anytime you use one of those Amazon links on bartenderjourney.net, whether you buy the uh, the product that I recommend or even a different product in that sort of session after clicking through, helps out the show just a little bit, a little bit. doesn't cost you any extra. So Dave Arnold, the author of that book, and Don Lee and Greg Bohm, who founded uh, Cocktail Kingdom. They're opening a new bar in Manhattan. It should be opening any day now. That This should be a really interesting bar. Don Lee is a super smart dude, and, and uh, Dave really knows his stuff. Greg is an interesting guy, too. One, innova- one innovation I read about at this new spot is... Those in a hurry can buy bottled cocktails from a vending machine with a $15 token. (laughs) I can't wait to check this place out. Hey, some educational uh, opportunities for you. You can still apply for bar methods for the August 2018 as I record record this on June 6, 2018. Applications are still open. um, Only a few more days, I think. Uh, I did this course back in 2016, and trust me, you won't regret it. It's three days of education in Manhattan with happy hours and dinners and parties, and you stay at the awesome Park South hotel which has this really cool roof bar oh man rooftop bar uh the price for this is very reasonable trust me apply at barmethods.com you won't regret it another great educational opportunity bar smarts is coming to philadelphia on september 26 2018 this is a full day of education from the likes of dale DeGroff, david wandridge paul packle uh, the list goes on and on and uh for that you need to do the bar smarts online course first so uh check that out at barsmarts.com there's a few more sessions of cocktails in the country this year with Gary Gaz Regan. Not sure if he has any room left, but uh, that's a great experience. You can find out about that at gazregan.com slash cocktails in the country. I've done all these educational experiences and uh, I get nothing for telling you about them, but uh, I just want you to know about them because they're all amazing and, and affordable. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every time at the very end of the podcast. First, uh, let me know. Let me tell you, there probably won't be a podcast next week uh, because I'll be at Bar Convent Brooklyn. That's another thing you should check out if you possibly can. And uh, that is June... 
12th and 13th, 2018. It's, uh, it's going to be amazing. It's the first time it's been done in New York, and uh, it's, it should be great. Anyway, I'll be recording some good stuff there, and we'll have that for you coming up. I hope you're subscribed to the show so you get all the new shows as soon as they become available. If you have any questions about how to subscribe, you can go to bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe. I missed a few podcasts in the, la- in the last few weeks. I have a lot on my plate right now, family-wise. won't go into the details, but uh, if you're interested, you can scroll back in the feed to the show called Real Talk from Bartender Journey. Uh, looks like things are starting to get uh, sorted out, so hopefully we'll be back on track soon. I really fell behind booking guests, and uh, I'm still way behind with that. So uh, if, you, if you know of somebody who you think I should interview, or if you yourself have something interesting to say, love to hear from you. Get in touch at the on the contact page. It's bartenderjourney.net slash contact. I'm definitely going to Tales of the Cocktail this year. The trip is already booked, so I'll have lots of great stuff from there for you as well. Hey, please follow me on Instagram at Bartender Journey, and uh, you can go to the Facebook page and like that page, Bartender Journey, like it. All right, my name's Brian Vincent Weber, and I thank you for listening. Here's our toast. May the chicken never be hatched that will scratch your grave. Cheers, we'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Yeah.